Welcome to the Village Church Podcast Show. Josh Patterson joined here with Matt Chandler. Looking forward to episode 16. Got a lot to talk about today and have a special guest. We'll get to that uh, here in a second. But we're going to be talking about covenant membership and specifically covenant membership renewal here at the Village. Matt, love for you to chime in there and talk a little bit about that. But also I want to introduce here briefly uh, our, our guest who will be on the show joining us here in a little bit, David Platt who is the author and president of the International Mission Board. We're going to talk about missions, Syrian refugee crisis, leadership, kind of new phase, new ministry for the International Mission Board. Should be a lot to yeah, discuss with David. And, and uh, before we do that, let's talk a little bit about covenant membership renewal. Uh, it may be something a little bit unique to the Village Church. I know some churches do this, but it may not be something that other churches are familiar with. And so uh, I, I love the opportunity just to kind of talk about why we do covenant membership renewal, what it is, what yeah. kind of what drove that for us. And yeah, in the in the very early days of the Village Church, when when I first got here, Highland Village First Baptist Church, there there was a membership class in place, but not necessarily a a membership process. And so it was it was very much um, Willow Creek's curriculum put at HVFBC, which was pretty funny since there was gosh, uh, 160 of us, like week one was a tour of the facilities. Right. So it was like down this hallway is the bathroom. Down this hallway are the offices. You could stand in one central yeah, point totally. and see the entire facility. So we, we see in the scriptures, or I would argue that you see in the scriptures, uh, a high bar of leadership in regards to um, how the church universal works itself out in the church local. And so we wanted we wanted to teach on what God calls us to when he calls us to himself, and he calls us to one another in a given location. And so covenant membership really was birthed out of a, a desire to teach what membership is, what the church is, what the relationship between church member and church leader is, and and, and really how the church was going to function in, let, let's call it the gray, what, what the philosophy and practice of the village church was going to be, driven by not, not only Orthodox Christian theology, but the theological distinctives of the village church. And so we wanted to put all of that in one place so we could say to our members and say to those who are interested in membership, here's who we are, here's what we believe, here's what we understand God's called us to, and here's how we're going to operate as a congregation. And so to have all of that in one document um, where men and women can see that before they become members, they can be reminded of it as we renew uh, annually, uh, and and just be stirred up towards this really beautiful thing God's called us to. So let's so, talk about that. What what is the renewal piece? Why are we renewing? What does that mean? Well, again, you know, one of the things we want to lay before people year in and year out is the beauty of God's good design and how we love and serve one another and what we've been called to, as we've been called to one another as well as being called to the Lord. And so the renewal process does does really three things well. The the first thing it does is it helps us serve the people of the village better. It, it helps us understand uh, where they are in regards to location. Have they moved? Are, are they still at this campus? Are they over at this campus now? It it helps us understand really where they are in regards to their spiritual formation. Are, are, they, are they in biblical community? Are they sharing the gospel? Do they feel like they've grown in their understanding of the scriptures? And, and then lastly, it, it is easily one of the larger feedback loops that exist here in the village church for us to hear not just from a member who's got a concern but hear from the entirety yeah. of our membership every of, member here's where we think we could do a better job as the village church 
in these areas, whether that that area is service or that area is some sort of program or that area is how we're teaching and preaching. And and so those three things really um, are distilled from this renewal, not not to mention we get to revisit the promises we've made to one another. Right, right. Uh, one thing that I love about renewal as we, as we started it years ago was just we anticipated it being a, a really unique and beautiful shepherding opportunity uh, as we did get feedback. So literally anybody and everybody who has a concern that voices that in the renewal process, um, we follow up with them. Yeah. We follow up with them personally. And so uh, every elder is involved in this, every staff member is involved in this. And so it's a really it's a really pivotal part in the life of our church. Not only does it remind us what we have covenanted to one to another and unto the Lord, but it also clarifies uh, for us who's here, who's yeah. with us. Uh, as, as a year, a lot of things can change. People move. People uh, move for a variety of reasons. Some take different jobs. Some uh, oftentimes go to other churches, and this gives us a chance just to uh, say goodbye in the proper way uh, celebrate and bless that. them and, and celebrate that. And then other times to address the concerns that are brought up by our members. And so it, it, it is a sobering and beautiful and really, really great thing that we do here at the village. And so if you're a covenant member here at the Village Church, I just want to remind you and let you know that covenant renewal will begin on October 1st. And so you should anticipate an email that will begin that process in your inbox on the 1st. And the renewal process will go from October 1st through November 6th. And so just carve out a little bit of time to work through that process. And if you have any questions, comments, or concerns, just make note of that. We'd be glad to follow up with you on it. So looking forward to that coming up here shortly. And also really looking forward to our conversation here with David Platt. Okay, we are back. Episode 16 of the Village Church Podcast Show. Uh, this week we have as our guest David Platt. Uh, David's a good buddy of mine. He is the present president of the Southern Baptist Convention's International Mission Board. Uh, he's very well-known brother out there. He's the former lead pastor of the church at Brook Hills in Birmingham, Alabama. And probably one of the things he's most well-known for is his book, Radical, Follow Me, uh, and then a follow-up book called Counterculture. And so um, he's been the president of the IMB uh, since 2014, or at least that's when you stepped into the role, David. And so uh, welcome onto the podcast show. Welcome, David. Man, it's great to be with you guys. Hey, um, so you look at the IMB, historic, huge, massive mission board of the largest denomination, at least largest missionary denomination in, in the world. Like, like what, what led you to step into such a complex, massive, and, and historic uh, organization like the IMB? Oh, man, it's a long story. The way I'd sum it up, though, is uh, during, some, uh, during a, a trip overseas about a year and a half ago, which, I mean, I, I usually, as pastor at Brook Hills, traveled overseas two or three times a year, but the Lord just did an unusual work in my heart and mind and life when I was hiking through the Himalayas and Nepal, and uh, I mean, we we helicoptered into this region up near Tibet and then hiked about six days out. And it was about five days before we even met somebody who had heard the name of Jesus before we started having a conversation with them. So I mean, we're talking about people who say, you know, do you, do you know anything about Jesus? And they say, who's that? I mean, they just had no concept of who Christ is in a Romans 15 kind of way where Christ has not been named. Yeah. And uh, 
a lot of a lot of time in prayer on those mountains, and I could just sense the Lord doing something in my heart that uh, just uh, giving me, and I would use Romans 15 as an example, just a a narrowing Romans 15 kind of ambition to use the little bit of time and energy and resources that I have while I'm on this earth to get the gospel to those who've never heard it. Um, and uh, so I thought that the Lord might be leading me to move to Nepal. That's kind of the way I came out of those mountains. I was thinking, I, I think this is what the Lord may be leading me to do. I, w- I was content. I would have been glad to and kind of envisioned myself pastoring Brook Hills for decades to come. But I started thinking maybe it's time for me to uh, not just be shepherding a church and calling people to go, but uh, maybe the Lord's leading me to go now. And so started to actually explore that, and it was in the process of thinking through, do I move to Nepal that that uh, the IMB uh called me and, and said, you know, we'd be interested in having a conversation with you and others about uh, the possibility of uh, stepping into the leadership here. And, uh, you know, as I started praying about that, it was just a sense of, okay, well, well at first I kind of reacted negatively to that, but then I thought, well, why would I be willing to move to Nepal and not step into a position that can mobilize tens of thousands, I pray, to get to Nepal, the, the Nepals of the world. And, uh, over the next few months, just in seeking the Lord, he he made it clear that he was he was directing, leading, guiding me to step into this role. Uh, that that is, I mean, it's it's uh, I mean, IMB's been around for 170 years, and uh, right now I have just under 5,000 missionaries around the world, but I think have potential for tens of thousands of more in the days Amen. to come. Um, just and, and in a world where there's so many people who have not even heard the name of Christ or have so little access to the gospel, I just want to spend whatever time, energy, resources God's given to me to, uh, yeah, to, to see Christ preach where He's not been named. And so that's how that's how He kind of led me into this role uh, just just a little over a year ago. Well, we we absolutely just rejoice in what oh, the man. Lord did. In all of that, and uh, you know, as as word started to kind of spread that this was a possibility, I know that we were e- even more prayerful and eager and hopeful. I, I know that there are uh, definitely other brothers that could step into that role, but we were we were eager for you to be there for so many reasons: your passion, the platform God's given you, your desire to see that, your ability to lead, and and so it was it was really really encouraging. So we just want to bless you in that, brother, and just say thank you for being willing. Uh, to take a step away from a flock that we know that you loved and cared for and, and being willing for the sake of the gospel uh, to see more go and see more come to know the name of Christ. And so just curious, I mean, you, you've been in for a year. You're, you're not new to the mission scene by any sense, uh, but, but in this role where this is what you're thinking about day in and day out, what, what are you seeing on the landscape globally in terms of world missions? What, how, how is it changing? What, is, what, what are the tides that are kind of shifting and then how is the IMB responding to that? That's good. Oh, that's a big question. And it is, uh, it, you know, I had thought about a lot of these things, uh, spent a lot of time in these things as pastor, but a whole other perspective, think about it from this particular position. I mean, things, perspective changes when, uh, you know, when I look at the news headlines around the world every morning now and I realize that most of these places where this bombing happened or this or that's going on, we've there's people who I am, we are, as I am be responsible for, who are in most, if 
not all those places. And uh, and so and the, the way I would describe, I mean, when you look at the landscape of the world and just a curse, cursory look at um, current events, you I think there's unprecedented opportunity. I mean, the way, and I think we'll talk about this at some point, just uh, refugee crisis and the way God in an Acts 17 kind of way yeah. is orchestrating the movement of peoples that people might seek him and know him and be found by him. Um, and and so to see the, the movements of the world, urbanization of the world, and, uh, and so the opportunities for reaching unreached peoples are unprecedented in different ways. At, at the same time, just a lot of unknown risk in that. Uh, I mean, unreached peoples are unreached for a reason. They're hard to reach. They're yeah. difficult to reach. That's they're good. dangerous to reach. I mean, all the... All the easy ones are taken, and so uh, <laughs> when you look at at those who have the least exposure to the gospel, there's a reason why, and some of them don't want to be exposed to the gospel, and so uh, and so the, there's challenges that that, that come there. Uh, but this is this is our responsibility in the Great Commission that the Lord, by His grace, has entrusted to us to shepherd the church to uh, take on this. I mean, those challenges. Uh, we shouldn't be surprised. Um, we have an adversary who wants every single one of those unreached people groups to stay in total darkness and to continue to uh, see people plunge into an eternal hell without ever even hearing the good news of how they can go to heaven. Um, and so this is this is never going to be an easy task, um, but but the opportunities in the world. And so this is where, as as a lead IMB. I think there's core foundations that are driving me when I think about that opportunity and the risk in the world. Core foundations like uh, the centrality of the local church. So this is where I want to be really careful. Um, and this this temptation exists in the IMB or any mission organization for that matter to kind of uh, view itself as the means by which mission is going to be accomplished as opposed, as opposed to viewing the church as yeah. the avenue that God's promised to bless. For the accomplishment of the Great Commission, and so the IMB doesn't exist to accomplish mission. The IMB exists to serve churches, and empower churches, and equip churches to accomplish mission. And and no one church can do that alone. That's where the beauty of an organization like the IMB or other mission organizations, for that matter, comes in. Is we yeah. can facilitate as this as different churches are 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 equipping and and the spirits calling people out from the village and from Brook Hills and from small churches. I mean, I it's not just for big churches. I was yeah. Uh, talking with a pastor the other day who's I mean, they got 30 people in their church they don't have a building yet but they've already uh, adopted an unreached people group and they're they've got a family they're preparing to send uh, to live among that unreached people group so I'd love a pastor who's before he's even prioritizing a building is prioritizing an Acts 13 kind of way praying and sending out people from the church and so as different churches uh, are taking ownership for a global mission then the IMB, other mission organizations, exist to help facilitate, okay, where can you go? How can that work best be accomplished as people are going out from your church? How can we train them intentionally for cross-cultural challenges they'll face? How can we help them? I mean, IMB bringing 170 years of mission experience to bear on where to go and and, uh, and how, how to best work when we get there. And so uh, anyway, I just that's one of the big pictures is I want to see – the centrality of the local church uh, in global mission restored, and I think there's tons of implications that flow flow from that for really a new face of 
missions in the days to come, which I'm be glad to dive into, but I don't want to keep rambling there. So, well, l- let me say this because I think it's I think it's one of the most beautiful things about the Southern Baptist Convention, and and there it's it's probably fair to say and true to say that for some churches that they put the onus on the IMB yeah. to take the responsibility um, for missions. And, and I think you're, you're saying rightly to put that back on the local church. But what, what the convention is and does through the cooperative program is, is saying we are cooperating for one, with one another for the sake of the mission yeah. and, and creating and establishing and funding an organization like the IMB so that we all, uh, local churches, may cooperate for this great good and glorious cause. And so that's, that's one thing that I just love about the SBC that I think is really, really cool. Yeah. And I, well, yeah, go ahead. Matt. Yeah. Oh, I was just going to say, brother, I'm, I think one of the things is I consider you in this role and, and you're stepping into this role in a time where the world's changing. It's getting smaller via technology. It's getting smaller simply because of business opportunities in the urbanization that's occurring all over the world. It, it's that, that God has called you into this at, at your age in an, in an older organization, so it's 170 years old, 5,000 missionaries all over the world, some reaching unreached, others just living in well-known cities and open cities, and and and, and yet here you are, the youngest president uh, in the history of the IMB. And so just, just on, just I want to say that so that men and women can be praying for you as you navigate this, but also to just acknowledge that really your story right now sounds like the beginning of a really awful story <laughs> where a young guy gets put in a historic situation with a lot of tradition and a, in a real kind of firm way of, of seeing things the way that they've seen them for 50, 80, 100 years. But the world's changing and technology is changing and access has changed. And so it, brother, just wanted to say that so that you could be prayed for. And then to just ask, um, you know, on a more practical question, how, how do you navigate the space where you want to honor what's old, but you want to press into what's new. How, how do you want to honor? Because really, the IMB or the village, when I got here, these other kind of places that have that have turned and 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 morphed into something new. The things that were there at first were really beautiful things, really good things with really godly people and who had a real heart that was the heart of God. So how do you how, how do you navigate that space where you want to really honor what's old while at the same time acknowledging that the world is changing and that there are opportunities that weren't there 40 years ago and that there are um, there are systems and strategies that, that didn't exist or, or couldn't function uh, 100 years ago that are just wide open for us right now? That's uh, a great, great question, and definitely part of, uh, well, the learning curve that I found myself in over the last year, because there's so much, and there's so much I've learned, and so much I have to learn, and uh, and it's, it is, uh, it's humbling to look at 170 years of spreading the gospel around the world, and then just uh, a prayer, uh, just continually before the Lord, like, Lord, help me to just carry on the... Um, yeah, the faithfulness that so many brothers and sisters have have who've gone before me, upon whose shoulders I stand, uh, want to lead in light of all that they've done, in light of all they've learned, and so want to want to. I mean, I, it'd be foolish to uh, to not learn from all of that and not take all of that into, into account. At the same time, yes, to look forward. I, I think you know the way I would describe it right now for IMB, and I think this has implications just for how we think about missions on a on a broader level. 
but uh, IMBE for for most of our history has had a pretty set way of sending missionaries. And for IMB, and this is one of the things that's been unique about IMB, is that we, through uh, the Southern Matters Convention Cooperative Program, uh, uh, we fully support all of the missionaries we send. So we've got about 4,800 missionaries right now living in different places in the world, and they, they all are fully supported by uh, Southern Baptist churches through the IMB, uh, which is a great thing. I mean, it's it's pretty awesome when you think about uh, the fact that all 4,800 of those people. I mean, they're not they're they're able to give 100 percent of their time to the task on the field as opposed to um, raising money or uh, or and, and and variety of other things that they could be doing instead. Where they're they're freed up to to be focused on that task. At the same time, uh, we're always going to be limited in our ability to send and support. Uh, missionaries in that way. That's part of the reason why uh, we're walking through some challenges right now. We're actually having to draw down our total number of personnel um, over the next six six months uh, by uh, six to eight hundred people because we're we're just financially not able to uh, support and sustain that kind of picture. And so it's challenging days in that way. As I mean, and that's and and just as a side note, just to be clear. Uh, I know you weren't meaning this way when you asked, but I just there's been some misunderstanding as, as different people have, have maybe seen this uh, going on in the IMB. Uh, like we're walking through a voluntary retirement uh, process right now. That's kind of phase one of two phases. Where during these two phases, everybody, uh, young and old alike, older. Uh, missionaries, newer missionaries, uh, so more seasoned who've been on the field for decades and those who've been on the field for a few years. But everybody, I'm challenging just to ask the question, uh, okay, is the Lord leading you to stay right now to the IMB and the role you're in? Or is he leading you to some new phase of involvement in missions? So we're walking through that right now. And uh, over the next six or so months, uh, a, a number of people uh, will have to uh, be, we'll, we'll, we'll be stepping away from the IMB, and we want that to be as voluntary as possible. But all that to come back to, we're limited in our ability to send and support full-time missionaries in that way. But that doesn't mean we're limited in our ability to see people sent out from our churches. Yes. That's the bigger picture, both yeah. for IMB and broader missions, because God has opened up with the globalization of today's marketplace, with opportunities for professionals to work overseas and students to study overseas. I, I uh, read an article the other day that just talked about all the different universities overseas that will actually pay full rides for American students to come over and study in English, get a full degree, get it fully paid for. Um, so you think about students, you think about professionals, just the opportunities for jobs overseas and then retirees even. Uh, I mean, Uncle Sam will pay retirees not just to play golf in South Florida, like he'll pay the same amount for them to go and live in this city in Europe uh, around a bunch of unreached people and spread the gospel to them. And so God's opened up opportunities like that. So the question is, how can we in our churches uh, take advantage, leverage those opportunities God's given to exponentially increase the mission force of people who are making disciples and a part of multiplying churches around the world in ways that aren't dependent on, okay, we've got to have a full-time salary for them, when the reality is the nations will actually fund us taking the gospel to the nations yeah, yeah. Um, if we'll wisely think through how to do that. And so um, we're in a process at IMB of, of kind of getting our house in order just financially so we're gonna help in a healthy place where we can continue to send. So don't get me wrong, we're going to continue to send. I think there's a place for biblically and practically 
fully supporting missionaries who can who can be free to be a frontline church planner, doing Pauline type work at the same time to be surrounded by just disciple makers who are who are doing that in different cultures around the world but through the workplace through universities as retirees in all kinds of different ways and that's where i think we have the opportunity to see tens of thousands more people engaged in getting the gospel of those who've never heard it well we'll pray that way with you brother for sure and i know that's the village awesome. is is really interested in in doing all of that and more yeah. so uh praise god hey i'd love to talk uh, just the the news and and really our Twitter feeds and and everything have had just quite a bit uh, about the Syrian refugee crisis that's occurring right now. Just a heartbreaking and devastating uh, reality that we're watching play out on the television. And I know uh, there are quite a few um, churches that that want to get involved in this and want to do something about it. Can can you chat with us just a, a little bit? I, I think you've got a, a probably a, a higher perspective than. Than, than most pastors or, or most men and women that will be uh, listening to this. How, how major of a crisis is this? Is this the, that we're talking about over in Syria? It's, I mean, it's, it's definitely major. Um, the thing is, it's just now obviously coming in the news more, but this is the, the fifth year, really, where yeah. uh, this has been going on. And so as refugees, immigrants flooding into the EU, and then even now, uh, in the days to come, uh, uh, potentially the United States, like this, obviously it's, it's getting on our radar, but I mean, the number of refugees, just millions, uh, I think now there's over 4 million registered refugees, and those are the ones that are registered from Syria that are all across Lebanon, Jordan, Iraq, Turkey, Egypt, now more and more into Europe, and over 50% of those our children, and we've, we've, you know, we've seen pictures which we need to see. We need to to realize this is going on in the world. It needs to affect the way we're praying. Um, uh, even my time with the Lord this morning, just on on Tuesday, just happened. To, I mean, that's one of the things I pray for, just intentionally for the oppressed. And I mean, the the picture of refugees. Um, and 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 it's hard to picture the millions. I mentioned four million registered. I think there's an over seven and a half million displaced persons in Syria and northern Iraq. And so it is, it's major uh, on so many different levels, on physical levels when it comes to uh, physical needs for food and water and just sustainable living and health care, and then obviously massive spiritual needs. And uh, so as as people think, what do I do, how do I respond, uh, my, my encouragement is always do something. Um, I mean, start, yeah, start with praying, start with interceding, and then uh, and then move to giving. Okay, how can we use our resources toward that end, both individually and in churches um, uh, through, and, and the, this is where, so this really isn't intended to be a, a plug, but this is, uh, or advertisement anyway, but this is one of the things that I have been, I've appreciated all the more over the last year when 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 I when I look at the IMB because uh, we've got uh, through 170 years of experience, but not just that, the number of relationships that we have around the world uh, internationally with the church in different areas, and so our people are already on the ground in some of these places where refugees are fleeing to, and we have partners there, and so we've got local churches that we're working with there um, in different countries um, uh, that, that refugees are coming to, and so uh, there's there's avenues there that we would we would love to help people connect with uh, through giving and then potentially going. My encouragement would be to go the the 
uh, to, to Baptist Global Response, so BGR.com. That's where uh, – or BGR.org, sorry, GoBGR.org. Let me get that right, GoBGR.org. <laughs> um, but that's where – I mean, I get – I just got yesterday in my inbox a report from uh, BGR, from Baptist Global Response, that just uh, talks about – all the different ways we're providing for physical needs, and then uh, in, in addition to those physical needs, obviously uh, sharing the, the, the greatest news in the world and the gospel that is most needed uh, in, in, the, in this whole picture. And so I would just encourage folks to pray, give, look for opportunities. Uh, to, to This is, again, the value of the more local churches are involved in global mission, the more uh, opportunities there are going to be there for us to, to get plugged in to, uh, to what God's doing already in the world because we're already there. And so uh, anyway, gobgr.org uh, would be a good place to start that I would, I would point to. And there's obviously other good gospel-centered ministries that are, that are addressing uh, different needs as well that I would certainly point people to. Again, just do something, praying, giving, uh, and then if the Lord leads in some way to go short-term or uh, connect with churches in some way and, and who, are, who are focused on, on, on ministering to refugees. This is great. This actually, the, those steps, just the clear, practical next steps, I think, uh, is is where a lot of churches find themselves right now, lacking uh, the the clarity about okay, what exactly do I do? Um, and so, thank you, thank you for that. Um, just as we begin to kind of land the plane here, I think it'd be helpful just for those listening, David, just to hear um, as a leader. You know, one of the one of the realities of all leadership is is being a change agent, but that's not the only thing that leadership is. What What are some things that you've learned uh, over these past, uh, I, I guess, year or really even 18 months as you kind of prepared for this? Anything stick out to you uh, in terms of a, a leadership principle, something uh, that, that another Christian leader should consider as he or she is growing as a leader or stepping into leadership opportunities? Mm. Uh, so I, I'll take them in. Uh, two things come to mind. Uh, one more important than the other. I'll leave the second for the more important. But first, I, I'm just a I'm a big believer in the plurality of leadership, yeah. uh, and uh, I loved that in the local church. I loved being uh, one elder among many elders, and uh, certainly there was responsible on responsibility in in my life as lead pastor Brook Hills, and the same same way that there's uh, responsibility in my life as president of the IMB. But I'm so thankful for uh, for other leaders around me who, uh, when, it, when it comes to making decisions like we've been making and uh, walking through uh, at the IMB over the last few months, uh, I mean, it's, it's good not to be making these decisions alone. It's good to get on your face with other brothers before the Lord and just call out for wisdom and grace and, uh, and discernment to know how to address this and then to sit around the table with, uh, I mean, there's clear things I don't bring to the table when it comes to the IMB. Uh, including I've not served as a missionary overseas, but to sit around the table with those who've spent decades of their life um, on on the field and and seen people live and die proclaiming the gospel there and have been through valleys and on mountains in that and and then to sit with others who who bring other gifts to the table and to be able to to get around the word plead for wisdom from the spirit and and to trust that he provides it uh that whole process uh and i guess this leads in a second so first just the value of having 
having a plurality of leadership that in an Acts 15 way, you're seeking the Spirit and you're coming out, making decisions and saying it seems good to us and the Holy Spirit that we do this. But then second, that leadership is designed to increase intimacy with God. Uh, there's no question that the last year stepping into a role, just in many senses, you know, feel, I feel it over my head as a dad and a, a husband, <laughs> even more so as president of IMB. And so it just it, it brings me to my knees on a daily basis. I, I, I can't do anything w- without him. I need his wisdom, not just on a daily basis, on a moment-by-moment basis. And, uh, and that's one of the things I love about leadership is that, uh, and obviously if the, the adversary can, can use it to kind of fuel pride in a way that says, well, you can do this. But I, the other way it goes is I just, I'm confronted with my inadequacy on a daily basis as a leader and his adequacy in that and his strength in that. And even this morning, just in Psalm 62 and 63, he's a refuge and a rock. And it's, 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 I need him moment by moment by moment as a leader. And the result of that is I I want him more. I love him more. I enjoy walking with him. And, and, and my trust and my hope and my confidence are not in my skills or gifts as a leader, but in, in his strength and his adequacy. And so all that to say, just leadership designed to increase intimacy with God. Okay, let me ask you this, and and that's just that's awesome. I I feel that and can relate to that in in terms of inadequacy and pressing in for dependence. And so, um, just just your last word here. Uh, we've got a lot of pastors and church leaders who listen to this particular podcast, and if you could just kind of give a plea, what would, what would your hope be for a local Southern Baptist church like the Village or like any other Southern Baptist church? If you could just take the next couple of minutes, what, what would you say to us as pastors and leaders of a local church? That's a great question. Uh, you know, I would say, and George Pentecost said this years ago, about 100 years ago at a major missions conference, he said to the pastor belongs the privilege and responsibility of the missionary problem. And uh, basically what he was saying is, uh, what we've been talking about, church, I mean, mission organizations can, should do what they will to help facilitate this or that, but it's the responsibility and privilege of every pastor to fan a flame for God's global glory in every local church. And so, and, and I know that to be the case just from, I mean, from watching the IMB, from my perspective as a pastor, and then now from the seat where I'm in now, until a pastor, until leaders in a church get a heart for global mission, then it's not going to take hold in the church. But when when the pastor and when pastors, when church leaders have a heart for God's glory in all nations, when they don't see it just as when they see that passion like from cover to cover in scripture and not just a compartmentalized program in the church for like few people who are called to that but no like we all have the spirit in us the spirit wants the world for christ and so uh, so we all want the world for christ we want to pray accordingly we want to give accordingly we want to go however god leads now god's not going to lead every single person to go uh overseas, but I'm convinced he's going to leave many more people to go, and uh, and then he's going to, for those of us he calls to stay, which is the three of us right now, and we're all living here, uh, that we're going to live to see the gospel get to the nations, and and so all that to say, when, when, when pastors are fanning that kind of flame for God's global glory in the local church, it just changes the entire ballgame, 
And so that's my prayer. I mean, when I when I look at Acts 13 and I see Antioch, this local church that's worshiping and fasting and praying, and the Spirit says, set apart for me Saul and Barnabas for this work to which I've called them, and they send these missionaries out uh, and turn the Roman Empire upside down as a result from this one local church. I just, that's my, I, I, I want to see tens of thousands of Antioch across the church landscape in North America who are worshiping and fasting and praying with a passion for God's glory among the nations and just open to however the Spirit might lead them to send and to give and to, uh, to go uh, in order that Christ might be, be named among all the peoples of the earth. I mean, this is just not tolerable that there's this many people who've never heard the gospel. So I'm, I'm praying for the day. I'll close with this. That, uh, we're not talking about unreached peoples anymore. We're talking about the return of our King and Him uh, getting Amen. the glory that, that He's due. So. Amen. Well, that's just so powerful. So um, it's just beautiful to hear it and uh, just the angst and the burden that you feel. And, and I'm just grateful. We're we're grateful for you. So just know this, brother. We're praying for you. We're just honored that you join us today. And we just pray that uh, your tribe would increase. And just uh, just encourage our listeners just to... Uh, also join in praying not only for David but for the missionaries who are out on the field and 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 more than that for the church that God would fan the flame uh, for his name and renown in the local church to be raising up and sending out men and women who want to take the gospel to the ends of the earth and so we'll pray towards that end it's a great conversation I trust all of you were encouraged I know I was Matt was and so David thanks for being on and uh, we we really look forward to the next conversation on the Village Church podcast show 